Golight presents Average Joe and the Pro. Go ahead. Go ahead. It all kicks off right here. This is Average Joe and the Pro. And we're underway. Hello and welcome to Average Joe and the Pro. I am Gary. And I'm Connor. How are you getting on? Hope you're well today. We have uh, an episode with a goalkeeper. His name is Michal Schlingerman. He's an absolute gentleman. Has some mad stories about being a goalie. Things we will never understand or, or comprehend or have no idea what's going on considering the fact that I play most of my career in Sunday League and Connor is a resident number 10 pro footballer. But he was brilliant, wasn't he? Yeah, no, he was very good. But like we touched on the, the whole protection around goalkeepers and there was a lot of kind of agreements and, and disagreements between the, the three of us um, on on different topics. But yeah, no, really, really good. And he's what, played in the, the league for the last 10 years um, and also touched on his on his gal career as well. So yeah, no, brilliant. Uh, towards the end of the podcast, you'll notice that things got a bit um, aggressive between the two. It was, it was a real battle between strikers versus goalkeepers, so keep an eye out for that. And as well as that, he has promised us something. So he name-dropped a player and their nickname. I won't reveal it, you'll hear it in the pod. He has no idea why they're called this nickname. And I tell you, it's one of the most ridiculous nicknames I've ever heard in my life. But he has promised us that he will tell us and we will be filling you in on a future pod through a voice clip on WhatsApp. So that is coming, don't worry. But it got me thinking. And considering the fact that you've been around the block for the guts of nine seasons now, you have bumped into numerous players. Do you have a nickname? Myself? Yeah. Uh, CB. That's it? Yeah, just Not Bilbo, Frodo, Sam... (laughs) Mary Pippin. <laughs> None of those random no. names that come to mind. No. <laughs> what the fuck do you be calling me? <laughs> no, it's, uh, CB. Because um, like, your initials. Yeah, like there's there's boys there that, you know, ads are boydy. All It's all kind of male. They're all nicknames based on their... Their, it's in their name. Yeah. Do you know? Not the, not the most, yeah. Exactly. Like that happens in, in most. Yeah, matches. not the one that's, that's dropped in the pod. That's completely out, out of the of blue. Nowhere. But do you know anyone in your career that you've bumped into that? Like everyone knows someone with a stupid nickname. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a lot I work with, they call him the Riddler because one day he told a riddle. So now everyone calls him the Riddler or Riddledy. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Riddledy. Riddledy. Oh my God, that's horrendous. <laughs> horrendous. And he, just, and he answers to it. So, like, it, surely you've bumped into a couple of lads who've had some some stinkers of nicknames. Yeah, there's there's one that comes to mind straight away, and it's uh, it's Slugger. Slugger. Oh, Slugger's a shocking name. Yeah. How do you get the name Slugger? Slugger? Is his name? Is it, his second name has nothing to do with that, does it? No, nothing. So, basically, well, who is this person? What's his full name? Mark Ludden. Mark Ludden is Slugger. Yeah, we mentioned him actually on pod one. He's getting a lot of name drops on this pod, okay. but too many to be honest. Yeah, this time though, it's not a good one. <laughs> no, yeah, he's called Slugger, and he responds on the pitch like. <laughs> I love when that. Like we're we're calling we're calling him slug around the pitch, and he's passing us the ball. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I think it comes from I don't know. Like I I the story I was told was um, it comes from his father. So I think there was a there was a winger playing against Mark Mark as a left back, and I think his father lets out a roar that uh, the winger's a slug, <laughs> right? Oh my God. <laughs> and I think there's boys on the pitch that in later this is at Merview I believe I think in later day they, they play with play with him at Galway and it just stuck that just call him Slugger and then for the last probably 10 years Slugger he's been known as Slugger Um, but then like it's he, he's also known as Marco Ludz yeah, like there's like loads he, he'll of still diff- pass you the ball when you say Marco yeah but the weird thing is why like Slugger comes to my mind when I'm on the pitch Yeah, do you know and, and that's 
quite unusual. Ah, look, it's one of those things. Any more? Um, Alex Byrne. His name is Timmy. What? You, you know him as Timmy. I know. I know t- his name is Alex Byrne. Yeah. And he's Timmy. Alexander Byrne. Yeah. I am full blown sure this man's <laughs> name is Timmy. And Why it, the hell is his, his name, name Timmy? On, his name on Instagram, Everton, yeah. is Timmy Byrne. But it, his real name is Alex. Alexander. Um, so he's taken to the name. He's taken to the name. And I think it comes from, from sixth class in school. Um, I think they were playing like uh, lunchtime football and I think one of the fifth class kids or something comes up to him or, I, I, I don't know the ins and outs of it but basically goes to him you're Timmy aren't you? and Alex's like no my name is Alex um, and then your man goes no I'm going to call you Timmy that is ridiculous and now he's known as Timmy Byrne because of this one fiend yeah everyone I mean everyone I think it's only his father and mother call him Alex everyone else calls him Timmy that's mental I, just, I was full blown sure his name was Timmy yeah and it's just go. because one lad from a different class comes up and says, I'm going to call you Timmy. Yeah. The chap is a powerful man. He's probably, <laughs> in go- he's probably in government right now, this guy. He has the whole world calling someone a different name. That's yeah. huge. Isn't it? That's, like, that's a completely different yeah. name. I prefer Timmy than Slugzer or whatever his fucking name is. Slugzer. Slugger. That's another name he's going to get now. Slugzer. <laughs> sorry, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Slugzers are even worse than Slugger. What, what is it? Slugzer. Sluggy. Sluggy? Slug, uh, stop. Fair. Well, mm. from Slugger to Schlinger. Here's Michal Schlingerman. He's an absolute gentleman. Enjoy the pod. Average Joe and the Pro. Okay, so we, what we do at the start of every single podcast is we ask the same question. Um, so the question always starts with, when did you know you were going to be a pro footballer? A pro. I thought I was the average Joe, no. <laughs> no, no. There's only room for one of us look, in this town, look, lad. Um, I suppose it's, it's a funny one, that question, uh, how you define a pro. Um, I don't think there was a defining moment for me that I'm now a pro or I'm going to be a pro. I think I just kind of went through my career um, in stages like that. And the stages, at one stage, I kept getting better and better and better. And then obviously later in my career or in the middle of my career, there was obviously a few kind of dips and, and things like that as well. So, but, but in terms of being a pro, I suppose I just, it was the way I lived my life. That's probably how I define it. And uh, I just kept kept that from when I was maybe 16, 17 onwards. First experience in the League of Ireland. First experience kind of with, I suppose, high performance, I suppose, sport, you know. And your high performance, am I right in saying, would have started at Mayo Minor? Yeah, yeah. So my first kind of real um, introduction to that kind of high performance uh, mentality or sport or kind of team sport would have been would have been Mayo Minor. So I, I grew up obviously in a very very GA dominant county, then a GA dominant town as well. So you'd know as well from that, like that obviously that is your kind of goal at that stage of your life and then I was lucky that I was probably good at both sports and I got brought in with the Emerging Talent Programme in Mayo and then on to Sligo Rovers from there and actually got got a chance in the first team at a very early stage So when you said you went from Mayo GAA to Sligo Rovers that must have been a weird decision because not many people in like let's say a tight-knit community where Ga is the it's the big thing you know, like everyone knows your name when you play Ga the second you decide to, to kick a ball on the ground without using your hands then it's like nobody cares anymore but <laughs> yeah. you, kind of, you must have done it for like a Maybe a selfish decision, but it must have been a tough one for you and I'd say for the community as well. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say it was. like there was, a, there was a long time actually for maybe two seasons or so that I was actually doing both. I was playing Mayo Minor and actually playing 
with Sligo's because you're a young lad you can yeah, do that yeah well then. I was a young lad and I'm a goalkeeper like, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. so again it's not as if I'm racking up the mileage in both sports and I'm putting over training on myself um, so I was able to manage both but then like you said there comes a time you have to pick a road to go down and I probably did take the selfish decision but I always figured as well that if it didn't work out the GA family was always kind of there at home um, I don't think there was any animosity towards me at the time I, I might be wrong I might I might just not, <laughs> not, not have heard no, it <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He should have stayed up, but like I'd say, there there was those people definitely to say, I should have gave it a right go back then, like you know. And in terms of, we probably might touch on it later on when I went back to play Gaelic in 2019, I 100% would have been in a better position in that 2019 team had I been playing Gaelic for 10 years before that mm. you know I, I found it tough I suppose because I'd gone back to a sport that I hadn't really played for 10 years and um, obviously if I'd have stayed if I chose the other route I might have been a more probably consistent member of the panel or you know something like that you know I might have You've gone down another I might have been uh, no but like I would have maybe taken a different uh, path but uh, I've no regrets I've obviously I'm happy with the decision I made so, um, with Sligo Rovers uh, starting there, you moved to Athlone relatively quickly. Yeah, yeah. So, I suppose um, I was a young, young goalkeeper in that Sligo Rovers team and I needed to go play games. And at the time, I sat down with the manager. I sat down actually with uh, a manager of a sports course that I was on as well at the time in IT Carlo. And we needed to kind of figure out this career in, in, in soccer or football for me. And it came to obviously the conclusion I need to go out and play a game. So that's where the Athlone thing really came in that year. And I didn't actually go in straight away and play in Athlone either. There was a guy called Chris Penyon who's now the goalkeeper coach at Bohemians. Yes, and great lad, big Scottish fella. Like, hardly understand a word he's saying half the time. <laughs> he'd actually, <laughs> funny thing about Benno, like, he'd, he'd ring you, like, and you'd, no, Benno, just, just text me. I can't understand a word you're saying, yeah. you know. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, Benno was there at the time and I was lucky because Benno got a move halfway through the season and, and I went in as number one then for the rest of the season and was lucky then to stay as number one for the following season and get all that game experience that most lads my age playing in goals wouldn't have got. What makes a good goalie? Let's say bar height. It really is, I think, such a mental position, a psychologically demanding position. And I suppose from my own career, I look back on moments and I get better because I've learned from something wrong that I've done. I'd be very analytical, so I'd go back and look at everything and really, really analyse and go through with a fine tooth comb and figure out, okay, that's where it went wrong and do it differently next time. Physical demands are probably slightly different. You don't have to put the, the mileage up on your body, but at the same time, the actions you do are more powerful and, and you're hitting the ground and they're probably a little bit more physical demanding in a different sense um, you'd be more kind of short sharp movements you'd take a lot more impact I'd say as well than, than an outfield player I don't know about that as well, well. <laughs> I know there's a question I know there's a question coming here about goalkeepers getting protected and I, I know no, I understand that you fall but it's like you. I find that that part of the the of the, uh, of the pitch is a very padded and nice area it's like a I, was, I, I knew this pitch, was coming it? <laughs> it is though it is and like you can't get tackled really you can jump and no one's and no matter what the whistle's going your way it's a protected position yes and no go on explain <laughs> it go on give it to me in your, in your words well look I suppose um, you bastards <laughs> we, we get to wear a different jersey first of all yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and it's always a nicer <laughs> yeah, jersey yeah it's well. always a nicer jersey it actually is yeah yeah. it's always nice highlighter colour yeah, or bright colour yeah no actually I agree with you there um, look I, I suppose going in terms of protection there's a couple of 
like referees are funny animals, aren't they? Yeah. You know, so like it's all down to their kind of determination of the rules or what way they kind of interpret the rules. And they would say that a foul is anything that you're not re- able to play the ball. Now, yeah. if you think about a ball in the air, somebody going for a ball with a keeper doesn't have a realistic no, chance don't. of getting that same ball because the keeper can use their hands. So any contact then is deemed... A foul. A foul because they can't f- actually win that ball. That's the way referees operate. Like, yeah. you know, now that's, look, I know that's, I'm team goalkeeper over here and I've got two <laughs> lads against me over the there. But that's, that's my, um, I suppose, uh, I suppose that's my kind of outlook on it in terms of why goalkeepers sometimes get fouls. You might say to me, then look, goalkeepers can come with their, with their knees and elbows sharp and yeah. they come up and come through players as well. Um, I'd say the same in the, in the reverse. You, you can line a keeper up from a couple of yards. <laughs> as well like I've seen it done too and I've had managers as well tell us to uh, tell our players to kind of go for keepers and things like that you know just to try and shake them and things like that it's not necessarily about winning the ball it's about shaking the keeper sometimes yeah. so I'd say 9 I suppose, out of 10 those let's say if, there, if you hear a whistle if you go up for a ball and you get the ball or there's a, something happens the ball's dropped and then out of nowhere you hear a whistle you're not thinking feck that's a penalty you're thinking I'm thinking thank fuck baby, I got away, go. <laughs> <laughs> thinking, got away with that one got away with that one again exactly <laughs> Average Joe and the pro why are goalkeepers so weird yeah they're an odd bunch of people <laughs> they seem to be incredibly smart but also a bit cracked like have you ever seen the movie Mean Machine yeah and the monk in, in the monk the monk like epitomises what goalies are thinking but mm. like obviously don't do yeah. but then they're obviously like they can be really really nice and sweet and, yeah. and have these weird tics and do you have any like strange well, no, hobbies well it's or? funny actually my best mates uh, one of them you probably remember him CB Michael Daly at Drogheda he was skipper there oh yeah there. he's a he used, now isn't he yeah he used to say we've got Schlings and we've Michal Michal was the nice fella in the off season <laughs> outside of football away from football lo- loved the crack you know went well, and then Schlings was this just lunatic wound up fucking just everything revolved around everything had to be perfect like match day everything had to be the same training I had to do everything all, all the same kind of stuff and like I suppose I've relaxed over the years but like there was just that intensity to me yeah that's know? one thing I would say about you things like you are quite intense man coming to training and no but like yeah. not in a bad way I'm just, I'm just looking at him here now and he's just like he is a bit of an intense man isn't he I'm, I'm scared a little bit here not in a bad way like because I would be quite similar like you know but I would class you and a lot of goalkeepers seem to be this as well like they're nearly the ultimate professional do you know what I mean like and and I always say like even this year at, at Atlone like I'd always try and get in a gym session before before training let's say every single time I go in Michal's there before me <laughs> Was it Michal or was it Schlings? <laughs> <laughs> so every, every time. And he'd be there, he- headphones in, doing his mobility work. And I'm like, where do you get time for this? Like, we're here two hours before training even starts. You it's know, the that, weird part of it. That's, that's the, weird, yeah, the weirdo I mean, in you does that. My like, missus hates me because <laughs> I'm gone all the time. <laughs> or maybe she loves it because I'm gone all the time. I don't know. <laughs> like, it's kind of like an obsession though. Wouldn't it be? Oh no, like, we'll say this, I have this, like, you know what they talk about addictive addictive personality or like yeah. like when when it comes to stuff like that it's it's an addictive personality I think a lot of goalkeepers are probably the same that I can't oh she's like I can't 
do a recipe in a, in a cookbook without literally following the, the guidelines. Like, okay. I can't I can't veer away from it or I can't do something half-arsed or, like, if I'm doing something, I'm doing it right. Like, I have to follow through on it and, like, I try and take that then into football mm-hmm. as well. Um, I think, I suppose a lot of it is, again, because, like, you go back to goalkeepers, some, a lot of goalkeepers are the same like this, seem to be ultimate pros and I think it's because you play your whole career on that, I think Casper Schmeichel said it recently, that verge or that edge of failure. A goal can come from your little error or like the worst possible punishment is conceding a goal in a game of football yeah. that is the worst thing that can happen for a goalkeeper in a game of football is conceding and your minor error can lead to that or can make that possible so you try and do everything perfect to try and minimise that risk okay. basically so like you're literally on that edge all the time and that's when you talk about when I come in and have the headphones on like uh, game days for me you probably know I don't, yeah. I don't speak to anyone on game days <laughs> you, get, you, get it, you get it you go in you go in you get, so it, you get, it, you get a fist and no words yeah. just, that's but, literally it well he's hugging and kissing every fucking goal he sees then I'm actually <laughs> Honestly, that's it though. Yeah, I come in and like he CB might be on the bed, like or something like on the physio bed. Classic. And, <laughs> that's where he belongs, to be honest. And like he'll have the head down and he'll just he'll feel this little fist bump on his fist, like, and it's yeah. he'll know it's me, like. Yeah, then, you know. So I yeah. know I, I just don't I just don't see the see the point in speaking to anyone. I'm in my own little world. Yeah, you're in your you're in your you're in your zone, like. Yeah. You know? And again, like it's not as if like I'm I'm hyping myself up. I'm I'm really not. Some like I'd have my iPod on shuffle and it could be anything. You go, iPod. IPod. I, I oh, I swear to God, it. yeah, yeah, I swear to God, I have a little iPod, yeah, yeah. iPhone, iPod, yeah. with like the string coming out, like who has? But you know why that is? <laughs> why? Because my phone has obviously messages, WhatsApp, fucking Facebook, Instagram. That's on my phone. The last thing I want to do half an hour before the game is pick up my phone, change the song, and a fucking message from. Someone pop up, <laughs> Sandra. Don't, don't say her name. I'll edit it out. <laughs> but yeah, like the last thing I want to see is a message from someone, or God forbid, something awful happened. Like no, no joke. Actually, um, 2013 Cup final. My mom and sisters on the way to the game crashed the car. Oh, I had dear. my phone off. But like, if something did happen, I wouldn't have found out till after the game. Yeah. And that's the way I would have wanted it to stay. Okay, yeah. If that makes sense. Like, it m- might sound very, very selfish and horrible for no. me. Like, if, God forbid, something did happen. Nothing was going to change between then and the game finishing. Yeah. So, like, or anything like good news or bad news, whatever it might be, last thing I want is any sort of stupid distraction. So, in know? a roundabout way, you've answered the question, <laughs> why are goalies so weird? <laughs> this is Average Joe and the Pro. Keepers love each other. There's like this brotherhood that like, I'm. Yeah, bond. I'm incredibly jealous of. So let's say Con- Connor, if you if you are on if you're on the if Connor's on the bench, right, and there's someone in his position, he's thinking, I hope this guy falls, hurts his ankle, runs out of credit on his phone, has a root canal tomorrow. <laughs> do you know, loses a top man voucher, twenty five quid, he's going to get a brand new pair of socks for himself. Like he hopes everything wrong in his life will happen. But you're, pos- it's, po- it's a positive yeah, thing. Supportive. supportive. Yeah. It's, it's love and it's affection and it's, you know, I hope you do a great job even though you're taking my job. We just keep that stuff for ourselves though. Yeah, oh no, I mean, 100%. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. There's, this, there's, there's this goalies WhatsApp group and the second you become a goalie, you make it into this WhatsApp group. Yeah. I think do you know what it's a funny one because it was for me as a young kid at Sligo coming in there was two great lads there at the time experienced keepers uh, one had come over from England and the other had grew up actually in Mayo as well then when I came to Athlone Benno legend of a guy you know just couldn't help but get along with him and again it was different because I was so young and they were a bit older it was nearly like I just looked up to them all the time I tried to pick up little things off them it was just I was 
analysing them and see what I could use from them to improve my game and I think because you work so closely together you can do that whereas I don't know maybe an outfield player CB you might like you don't really analyse the other players as no. with the same admiration or with the same like what can I you know the, oh geez, he's done that there That's that looks good I'm going to try and replicate it like, maybe you know? as a kid maybe as a 17 18, when you come in at the first goals. yeah yeah initially but as you get older let's say for me the t- other 10s like we they're would, a threat that's a threat to you yeah that I would see them as a threat and I there's only one 10 going to play do you know similar to a goalkeeper but I find that the goalkeepers are all pally pally do you know whereas the 10s are kind of like Keeping themselves, <laughs> yeah. you know, oh, the of the dressing room. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, like I'd be very friendly with like the left back or the centre half. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, you're collecting <laughs> mates in positions. You can't be friends yeah. with another ten. It's like ah, oh, he could be the nicest lad <laughs> ever, but I don't like him. This fella let me wear one or two in training. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Average Joe and the pro. Drada was kind of where I got to know you and anyway. of me. Yeah, of you, yeah. I didn't. I didn't obviously meet you, but you were what. Play PFI team of the year. Yeah, in my last year there actually, 2015. 2015. Yeah, cup yeah. final. Cup final 2013. Cup, we got to three cup finals that year actually. Uh, we played in Europe that year. Like we we had a very very successful time at Drogheda. To be honest, if you ask me now, probably most successful and and happiest time of my career would have been Drogheda definitely with with the group of lads that were there. We and speaking of WhatsApp groups, we still have a group with the lads of that kind of. To, oh, across those two years like and that's amazing like I, I doubt if there's very very many WhatsApp groups from a team still actually going at this stage now most of it is, is you know the daily stuff yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. daily shite like but it's still it's it's great to just have that connection still yeah. and it just kind of suppose promotes the, the bond that, that we actually had back then and like in terms of success and stuff and that's what that's what I was going to say do you think that contributed into the success that you had Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Because again, the group of lads, we, we'd all be the first to say we weren't the most talented team in the league from a footballing point of view. But we uh, the amount of 1-0 wins we got the year I joined there, oh my God, it was frightening. It was really frightening. Just a hard-working, well-organised, great lads. Like you, you couldn't want for better attitudes around the place. As a younger keeper coming in, it was perfect for me. You get called up on stupid things you did. You'd be told, you know, like I suppose the game's probably gone a bit that way. It's gone out of the dressing room now in terms of the older lads being kind of a bit more uh, nicer to the younger lads now. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I can't, I, I don't have any bad memories from, from Drogheda at that time. Uh, the year I came in, we won the League Cup and finished second, qualified for Europe to three cup finals then the following year. We done okay the year after that. My final year then, we actually, we got relegated, um, which was massively bitter, bittersweet because of the big year that I had myself. You got relegated and you got in team of the year? Like yeah, you? yeah. Wow. So... Yeah. That doesn't happen. No, no. I was the busiest keeper in the, in the <laughs> league that year. So um, I was going to ask, why did you then leave Drada? But then that, that was yeah, it. yeah. So like I, I had, I had been approached probably three or four times since my first year at Drada to leave Drada to go into kind of full time football or to a team that was up the top. Like I met a couple of clubs that you know they were full time clubs at, at the time, and I could have gone there, but I wouldn't have gone. I wouldn't have been playing straight away. Do you know they had experienced keepers in their time. Like so Cork at the time was was Mark McNulty. 
do you know? Yeah. Like at the time, I wasn't ready to go down there. Well, he was the number one for exactly. Like still number yeah, exactly, exactly. So like, I had a couple of tough decisions. Thankfully, I had good people around me to bounce bounce things off and experiences off. And I suppose looking back at a couple of them, were saying, this fucker is still ringing me about because <laughs> I had I went through a stage I couldn't make up my own mind about anything. I said, oh, I was asking tw- probably twenty people what they thought, you know. So because uh, I was just so afraid of making a mistake and so afraid of making the wrong decision. So I asked a lot of people for advice. But again, look, I am where I am, I suppose, because of it. And um, thankfully, I got to stay at, at Drogheda at that time um, for the other two or two or three years afterwards. And then I had that great year that I wouldn't have had if I went to one of the top teams at the time. Things we asked everyone, what is your welcome to the league moment? Welcome to the league. Um, I suppose pr- most people probably say their debut, do they? I, I don't think I'd have anything to change on that. I'd say I probably would think of my debut straight away as yeah. my welcome to the league. Mine was a funny one, actually. Um, it was at Sligo, and I was on the bench for a couple of weeks because the two goalkeepers at the time, Richard Brush and Kieran Kelly, or Tracksuit is his nickname. Um, Hold on a second. Yeah, I'm not sure <laughs> of the second. full story now. <laughs> I wish I knew the full story before I mentioned that. His <laughs> name to, is Tracksuit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, tracky. So I actually, I must, I'm, I must find out actually why that's. I, I, I know. I, I don't want to say a false story. You Here's see, what we're so I do. know. I'm, I'm, make, I'm making a promise, right? You're going to find out for us why his name is Tracksuit, and on a podcast in the future, you're going to WhatsApp voice clip us, and we're going to put it in a podcast because I can't let Tracksuit go. That is ridiculous. You know all these country towns like we we have a, we have a Mufasa at home. We have like all these all these names. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a it's a proper country thing, I think. So you make a but, promise um, to us. I'll try try and find out off track (laughs) I'll do my best Um, so they were the two goalkeepers at the time and Richard Brush got injured Brushy badly (laughs) Brushy yeah Um, he got injured badly and I think he was going to miss yeah he was missing the rest of the season so I was lucky as a young keeper to be now on the bench um, for the first team and Paul Cook was the manager at the time. So I what I was what was happening was I was in Carlo in college and, and I was travelling up and down for training and things because they were obviously full time training in the mornings. Now I was lucky that they played home games on Saturday, so I came back up Thursday, Friday, got two sessions in and then the game. And I got a call on a Thursday, sorry, a f- Wednesday evening in college. Paul Cook, now I'm not going to do his accent. He's got a real raspy Scouse accent and it's great, but I can't do it. I wish I could. Please. <laughs> I'm not even going to Please. attempt it. <laughs> and he basically said, more or less said, uh, get yourself home. You're going to be starting on Friday night against Bose. So is that your Scouse accent? That was my Scouse accent, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and it's a really raspy one as well. So he um, made, made that call. Yeah. You're going to be starting yeah. at the yeah. weekend. Not bad, not bad. I except, take that. Except deeper and horse, more horse on, than that. Day. Give it a go. No. <laughs> get, get yourself home, lad. <laughs> nah, nah, that, was, that was a bit sexy, get, that was. Yeah. <laughs> Get a bit hot in here. Get yourself so, home, lad. Yeah. yeah. So he, he said, get yourself home. Uh, you're going to be starting Friday night against Bose. So I obviously packed the bags, went home. Now I didn't, I, I don't know, I don't remember really ever feeling like like my arsehole fell out of, <laughs> yeah. you know, like I don't remember feeling like that. I think, and again, because going back to like, I suppose uh, the background in Gaelic football, I had just played an All-Ireland minor final a few weeks before that in front of thousands in Croke Park yeah. and, and live on telly as well. So again, maybe the the kind of stage fight didn't, didn't, didn't happen like, but um, 
I just remember getting a text the next day from the guy that from the course coordinator in Carlo saying, uh, oh, best luck, that game's on the telly. And I didn't realise it was on the telly. So, <laughs> so there it, was, the nerves it there. was live on RTE against Bowes who needed to beat us to win the league at the time. Um, it was them and Shamrock Rovers playing for the for the league and if they beat us, they won the league that night. So it was going to be a great occasion up there. Full house, Daily Mount. And I always love Daily Mount. I don't know, CB, how you feel about Daily Mount. Yeah, but no, it's, it's brilliant, yeah. Cauldron. Like yeah. I used to love it. And actually, funny, I made my debut there then for Monaghan, actually, as well, after that, a couple of years later. Um, so fond memories of, of Daily Mount. Again, like that, um, I remember travelling on the bus on the day. One of the older lads, more experienced lads, a guy called uh, Joe Kendrick, he was from, he was actually with Drahada before as well, comes up to me, oh, have you got family coming to the game? I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was, it wasn't a normal, I just thought, it, and obviously to them it was a big deal just to have your family there, but it was just, it was a different, I suppose, my, my family had no football background, so it wasn't really a big deal. And I just remember going to the game, playing, I never felt the nerves, and that was the good thing about Cookie as a manager, it didn't, dwell on me making my debut or didn't highlight it in any sort of way in the dressing room or anything like that he just got on with it and I suppose the best thing about it was because Tracky was injured we had no goalkeeper coach there was no full time goalkeeper coach at Sligo at the time Raf Cataro had done the warm up with me no way <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, Raf Cataro done the warm up with me, and he was he was one of the injured players as well. So he done the warm up with me uh, that night. Which, like, if that happened now, like to a young kid, he probably shit. Oh, big time! Shit, his pants, like, like yeah. a legend, like, like, but not even just because he was a Sligo legend, because you weren't getting a proper warm up. Also, that too, that too. <laughs> Do you know, but I if he's hitting penalties yeah. in the warm up, he's putting them top bins, like, isn't he? Like, like oh, he's just, just taking the piss. Like, yeah. Give the goalie a couple of touches here, bud. Or just ping that into my hands there. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, yeah, then yeah. the net is just rippling for the whole warm up like so um, but I have to say obviously I've, I kept in touch with Raf and got to play with him again then years to come what, what, a, what a great fella what a positive fella he's probably the perfect fella to have doing the doing the warm up with you from a, from a confidence point of view but um, yeah no that was that was that one <laughs> I ended up getting an outfielder player to do the warm up but if that, like I say CB, if that happened now the young fella would be a nervous wreck yeah. because there was no goalkeeper coach there was no other goalkeeper or anything like that but to especially help you. the mindset like you had you know yeah yeah have. like yeah. Uh, so you know if it was a goal, goalkeeper that didn't really give a Scooby or a Rats what what was going on, yeah, it might have going out with the Cuban. Yeah, <laughs> didn't really, didn't really care. Like, but yeah, a lot of goalkeepers I think have similar mindset to you. Yeah, oh, they would. Yeah, definitely, so definitely. Yeah, that, that, that and the game it. went all right. We lost the game. Like we had had played a weakened team. There was a couple because we had a cup final coming up, so it was an opportunity, I think, to rest players and things like that. So we played a weakened team, which kept me busy. Yeah. Um. So I remember, I think Paddy Madden scored a winner. Joey and Dole performed a bit of magic. Dinked one over me. Oh, yeah, oh, you it was got dinked lovely, on the debut. It was a lovely finish. Now it was like a true ball. I and he came out and just lifted it. You know, lovely finish. And then Jason Byrne, I think, scored as well. So none of them your fault. No, I don't think. Well, no. no no, I wasn't. I couldn't say it was my fault. Now again, I might look back and say, "Geez, I was shocking there." <laughs> do you know? So um, I must actually see if, uh, if I have any highlights of that game. But I don't think I do anywhere. They won. The, they beat us three one on the night, and um, and that was them secured them because I think they had such a massive goal difference. They were never going to be caught anyway. So a yeah. couple of games to go, they won the league, and then a couple of weeks later, sitting on the bench for the cup final as well. So it wasn't a bad year. All oh, our minor year. final debut and a cup final. It was it was a good two thousand and nine. Now I have to say, but I bet you that ding still haunts you. <laughs> no, I have a nice picture of it but <laughs> and yeah. the picture looks like I'm saving it <laughs> very good it's just but you know one of those guess where the ball is <laughs> yeah yeah okay so go let's say you went from Ga to football and then back to Ga why did you go back to Ga yeah look so I suppose I had spent when I made the decision so at the time I was still playing 
we we had a successful club team and we got to an All Ireland final in 2010 with that club team, and it, that was probably that was my last kind of involvement then in Gaelic football. So. I'd made the decision then to really focus on football and I've had the career then up to that stage at Sligo that I had from going to Athlone, Monaghan, Drogheda for a couple of years, the success of Drogheda and then my next stepping stone was Sligo. Um, funnily, it was always in my head to go back. Like literally, even even at Drogheda when I was playing well, I always wanted to play better against Sligo. I was like, you know, and I, I met the manager the year before I signed back and it didn't work out and I was kind of gutted about that because I wanted to go back and again the, the draws CB will know as well when you're at a part-time club versus when you get asked to go full-time especially as a young player it's a massive thing in the league so I took the and again look getting relegated helps the decision because it's such a good year and I felt like I couldn't go into the first division so when the opportunity came to go full-time and stay in the Premier I jumped at it oh, and I yeah. left I had a job at the time left that job in Dublin Close to home straight back home like again I moved to Sligo because that's what you did Sligo is a great place to live when you're playing football so um, for those first three years things went well the first year went really really well at Sligo in terms of they they nearly got relegated the year before which would for Sligo shouldn't be happening or was unheard of at the time really because they'd gone through so so much success and we had kind of a good year just missed out on Europe that first year I picked up an injury uh, towards the end so I missed the last couple of games but that was fine then I went into the second year and then things just you know second year we, we didn't do well the manager got sacked halfway through new manager came in <clears throat> I was on a longer contract so this manager inherited my contract no idea if he even wanted me at the club and after that it was just literally a place at wrong place wrong time for me as 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 myself so as things kind of got worse and worse at Sligo um I was I'm not going to say I was used as a scapegoat but when you're the goalkeeper <clears throat> and things aren't going well there's not a lot you can really really do to change change mindsets and things like that so um, I just I look at Sligo and my head, be honest, head was gone head was in the bin at Sligo and it was probably the toughest time of my whole career in terms of I had no support whatsoever there was literally from every issue that I had I just felt like I had no support coming from anywhere and I ended up moving home to my mum Home, com- home comforts, yeah, yeah. Here so, we go. I, so I ended up moving home, um, and then I was traveling up and down to Sligo with one of the lads uh, who was also from Mayo at the time. <clears throat> and from there, it was probably only a couple of weeks that, that lasted, like before went into the manager. Because at this stage, now I'd gone from what CB said being player of the year at one club, picking up players, player of the year, supporters, player of the year, team of the year. Yeah. This was 2015. To moving back with your man, <laughs> pretty much three, I mean, in, within less than football. two and a half years later. Like, like so, I hadn't become a bad goalkeeper over that time, yeah. but with other circumstances, you know, the success of the club coming into it and things like that as well, it just it was all getting on on top and moved home. So. I suppose then had the chat with the manager. Actually, I meant to say like at this stage now I wasn't even making the matchday squad. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, I wasn't okay. even making the matchday squad, so I was third choice. Now, when you look at it from a goalkeeper's point of view, there's not an awful lot of difference between third choice and sitting on the bench if yeah, nothing happens to the goalkeeper. It's, just your head, it's like, the really, yeah, isn't it? yeah. Well, it's it's going from you know in my own head, and people might disagree with me. I probably thought I was top four or five keepers in the league at the time, and. 
going from that to not being able to make the squad was was rough now it was rough to take on a personal level my pride was hurt a lot um, I felt like I said there wasn't the support so I had a chat with that manager and he basically told me you're not in the plans here um, you're you're welcome to do what you want uh, we'll try and find you another club if you want I said no if, if I am fine I'll do it myself um, so we parted ways halfway through the season and the idea was that there was two clubs that were kind of in need of a goalkeeper at the time uh, both going through a bit of financial difficulty yeah. So my plan was to sign with one of them until the end of the season and then just hope that, you know, kick on from there again, get another contract sorted somewhere else the following year, but use that, you know, end of season just to go in somewhere and play. That was the idea. Um, and then both those clubs got, uh, what would you call it, reprimanded or whatever. The FAI basically told them they weren't allowed to sign players. It wasn't a transfer embargo, okay. it was a signing embargo. Like, they were having <laughs> having, so they weren't allowed to sign any more pro players, which then li- I had nowhere to go. Literally nowhere in the league. Because you look at our league, it's a small league, 10 teams, halfway through the season, budget's gone. You can't go anywhere. The first division, there was one or one or two, I think, first division offers, but, but they're all training in Dublin, so I'd actually be paying money to play for them in terms of I'd have to go to Dublin, rent a house, yeah. and then play for them for peanuts until the yeah. end of the season. It just wouldn't be feasible, really. Like, you know, you couldn't afford it. So I ended up getting a job in Mayo in pharmaceuticals, you know, <laughs> degree in sports management, but I'm working in pharmaceuticals. <laughs> so... um yeah, I got that job and then that's when the Gaelic kind of came in. The club at home asked me to play a game for them, played a game. I thought it was great. I thought, this, you know, this is a great sport. And then um, after that, I suppose, uh, was when I played the rest of the year in Gaelic and got brought into that Mayo team. Then once I got offered to go into the Mayo team, then I thought, you know, this is this will be good for me. This is This is great. I'm living at home. I'm working at home. Gaelic football was in my kind of upbringing you know it's always something I was really really fond of it was something I never said never about I was always asked the question would you go back because every interview you did they nearly ask you about the Gaelic because of your background so I was asked then would I, would I go back and, and I did end up going back and I have to say that year with that team unbelievable yeah. like in terms of just the experience like and, and just seeing it from within within the environment that they're in and like it is very much a high performance environment as well the lads are when you talk about intense I felt like I wasn't intense when I was in there do you know so uh, that's the intensity that they have I was I was actually in a place that suited me do you know because um, I was at home and I, it worked out, worked out well and that, that then I suppose was the reason then I went back and I didn't really look at the League of Ireland as, as something that I was missing out on at the time and then how how returned like if, if that season went so well for you in my OGA and you were enjoying the environment enjoying the experience why then come back to the League of Ireland it was, it was funny it was out of my control so if you ask me now and if anybody asks me now I'll say that my target at the time was to try and break into the Mayo squad now you've got the two at the time the two best keepers in like the, probably two of the top four keepers in the country were in the Mayo team and they're off they're fighting each other all the time it was obviously well publicised at the time as well between you know the chopping and changing that went on between the two of them so the, my my task was as the number three to try and break in there and like the first year was never really going to be me going in and playing it was going to be me trying to just get back into Gaelic football do you know uh, it was it was tough like to kind of it was a tough challenge for me that year just to get back in to a different sport that I hadn't played in 10 years so like you said the reason I went back was because I got let go because I wasn't really playing 
for my club. I was funnily probably played just as many games outfield for my club than I did actually, in goal. I, sorry to come across <clears> you with me all. I actually read an article there. Oh, geez, it must have been two years ago. Um, I think the forty-two might have done it, and it was you saying that you didn't get the support from your. GA club yeah like again it's probably from the club itself no not really like the club I don't think I, I couldn't blame it on the club it was a funny one it was with the manager at the time and the manager at the time probably had a conflict of interest within the team and as well like around the town again like this isn't going to be a surprise for anyone listening to this around around Kilchimau where I'm from like it's it was a well publicised conflict of interest where there was a family member playing in my position yeah so like and you're the soccer lad again like I have no doubt that this manager probably didn't have anything against me personally probably thought I was a good fella good pro like that what everybody else might say about me bit weird bit weird yeah you know (laughs) bit angry sometimes but but Michal was sound (laughs) so so like I suppose um, like he he's nothing against me like uh, but at the same time if you have a, a a son or a family member in that position, you're just going to naturally want the best for them and do what you can to do. So there's no look, there's no bad. bad you knew what, what it was about. So when, when I suppose when when we look back at that, it's not necessarily lack of support. It was probably just again bad luck, really. I suppose do you know, like there was nothing to say that, like. I couldn't have gone on another year and stayed there but that's when I went back to Galway because I couldn't just stay and this is no disrespect to like Gaelic footballers who are just playing club level and aren't in the inter-county setups or anything like that I don't want to sound like I'm I'm kind of being derogatory towards them but like it was just a case that I just had more drive in me than just going to play Gaelic football Tuesday and Thursday evenings and then playing an, an intermediate game at the weekend I, I needed more I needed a bigger hire and that's when I went to that's when I met Murphs at, at Galway funnily Murphs was on to me the year before but I'd already committed to the Gaelic for that year and I went I went, I went back to him actually because I just needed more I just needed like high performance in, in my life like um, whether it was first division or premier division I needed to, to do it like and that's when I stepped back away then from the Gaelic but I have no regrets because that year taught me a lot in terms of that intensity I got to bring more intensity yeah. <laughs> you know so I picked up things off those Mayo players that over time just eroded away from my own personality because I was away from like-minded people for so often. And you, you were know? back at Galway then and were you at Galway at the time? So did, were you together at Galway United? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's a question for you that <laughs> just popped into my head. Here's a scenario. Training session, right? You're doing one-on-ones. And let's just say one of those training sessions where it's intense. Team A wants to beat Team B. There's a big match coming up. Everyone wants to play. Ball gets slipped through. Conor Barry one-on-one against Mihal. Who's backing who? <laughs> Are you going around them like? No, I wouldn't go around. You, you, <laughs> no. you, you're too scared to go around no, them. No, not that I'm too scared. I, I'd, I'd be I'd, scared. <laughs> I'd back myself that I'd score one on one. With like like that, Mio would back himself that he'd save it. Yeah. You know, yeah. so which which is a, a more difficult position to play? Now, now this is where it gets fun. So you're gonna say my position. Why? But like you're out, like you, Mihal has a lot of time, right? So the only time Mihal has to like. Me has to concentrate obviously when, when people are has to concentrate all the time, right? I want to be careful what I say because I have an answer already, out. don't you worry? <laughs> <laughs> He's about to go in on you and you're being nice. <laughs> no, right? What I'm saying is in a ten position, you've lads up your hole, you've kind of tackles coming in. Keepers don't really have that. You know, back passes, all that kind of stuff. But corner kicks, set pieces. Yeah, but like we have that as well. No, we but have to go and win headers. Yeah, true. Okay. Do you know, so we poor we, things. Poor thing. <laughs> we, we have to go and win headers. Like I think, for me, the ten is a very, very technical position. Do you know? Whereas goalkeepers are just idiots. Like no, I'm not saying that. Goalkeepers, <laughs> you 
technical wise, you probably don't have to be as technical as you would be in the ten. I, I obviously, obviously, I do think that the goalkeeper is the most difficult position on on the whole pitch. I think for a number of reasons. I, the way the game has gone now, you have to be as good with the ball as the outfield players. Yes, you're under a little bit less pressure and in different ways. You're in a 10, you're getting pressure at 360. You need to know what's behind you. you need to Goalkeeper's 180. It's more or less what's in front of you, left, right and in front. Uh, but you still need to be as good receiving, as good playing, as good with those clips, as good at everything. But if you mess up a clip in the 10, if you mess yeah. up a clip in the 6, if you mess up a clip as in the centre half, <laughs> what's, your, what's, your, what's your punishment, I suppose? The punishment of the goalkeeper is... The word is like I said, it's a goal. You can there is backup, there is ways to get away with making mistakes further up the pitch. The other reason that it's the toughest position, just an easy target for abuse. Yeah, that is it. So, Bray, the same fuckers heckling me both halves. Just you a big bald, easy target, baldy bastard. Where's your hairline gone? Where'd you get your hair? All that kind of stuff, you know. Ridiculous. Yeah. But you know what? It's actually it's funny because I laugh that off and I'll rub my head and I'll give them yeah, a bit yeah, back. Yeah. But the funny thing about that is it's not what they're saying. It's the repetitiveness of it yeah, that gets to you. It's like like your man in Simpsons. Oh, like yeah, that. Like yeah, it's, it's just, yeah. it's, if it's constant, it just, no, they could be saying anthem. Yeah. They could be saying banana. But if they say it a hundred times, it's, it's going to get you. Yeah, yeah. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. We've taken so much of your time now. We've talked to a goalie, so now we can tick that off the box. We never have to talk to another goalie again. <laughs> You'd be lucky. It's probably drained you, has it? It has absolutely drained me, but it's been absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much. You've been so honest and it's been brilliant. And again, you've set the bar very high for any other goalie that we do ever get on. So thank you so much. No, I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Average Joe and the pro. What an absolute gentleman Michal Schlingerman was uh, League of Ireland goalkeeper absolute legend a pleasure talking to him when we did um, I actually like to just say since recording that podcast Michal has re-signed with Athlone Town for the next season in the League of Ireland so we wish him the best of luck with that and we're hoping to get him on again uh, in the future so best of luck Michal fair play to you if you like the podcast make sure you like subscribe leave a review do all those podcasty things that podcast people if you've gotten this far into the podcast you probably haven't uh, if you've got this far in the podcast, do all those podcast things that podcasters ask you to do because um, we'd really appreciate that. And there's more episodes to come. So that was episode three with Michal Schlingerman. Uh, Connor, how did you find the chat with Michal? Getting a goalkeeper's perspective was brilliant. Um, you know, it's uh, seeing like how we suggested, you know, keepers getting protected, yeah. which is the case. You know, there, there's... And, and, and he I can was, already, I'm going to stop you there because I can see you getting angry again <laughs> <laughs> we need to just reel it in it's just me and you here now bud there's no goalkeepers okay yeah. you're safe now <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that was uh, it was it was great because it he gives us that brilliant um, insight into goalkeepers like because obviously we're both outfielders you've had a I love the way you have me in this category of an outfielder like I play League of Ireland <laughs> I don't play League of Ireland football I play like Sunday League you're yeah, an outfield you're, player you're, you're an outfield player I'm a social outfield player so you know I play for 60 minutes and then <laughs> I have to leave because I have some sort of an event or I have to work <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay so I'm an outfield player but yeah, yeah it was brilliant to get his perspective because obviously um, as we suggested he is an intense man you know um, but He's not the only goalkeeper that's like that. All goalkeepers seem to be like that, and um, seem to be these these ultimate professionals. And you know, it was great. And he's a brilliant, brilliant lad and a gentleman. Do you know? So obviously, brilliant to have him on. Do you know what I found really interesting? The fact now, obviously, that it, it's a very similar position, but the fact that he's able to kind of jump between sports. And now, it's a similar position, like he was saying, but there is a lot of differences. Yeah, like mad amount of differences in it. Like it's com- your body kind of has to completely adapt to the different yeah. sport. So he 
was obviously good at Gat when he was a young lad and then went into soccer um, and then back to Gat and now he's back at playing soccer. Now, question I have for you, Connor, is if you were to jump into another sport, now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to rule hurling out here because I know back in the day you were good at hurling. Yeah. So I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. So you, you have, if you were able to, if you think you could jump into another sport, what sport do you think you'd be jumping into? Or you, what sport do you think you'd be good at? Oh, God. Um, like, I play a bit of golf, but it's probably, I wouldn't have the temperament for golf. You know me. Yeah. Born winner. Yeah, yeah, like I just, I get very... Happy I, Gilmore. I'm impatient as well. Yeah. Do you know, and if it's not going my way, I'll just walk in. Do you know, so I don't think golf would be one, but I think tennis, weirdly enough. Wow, okay. Yeah, um, tennis, because I think I have probably the hand-eye coordination from hurling. Yeah. Um, it's quite similar. I'd be quick on my feet. Yeah. Um, so I you think You do like tennis, a grunt as well. I wouldn't be bad at a grunt, yeah. Yeah, you do like a grunt. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I think tennis. Um, do you know what I, th- I actually do see you being quite good at? You'd be good like horse jockey. <laughs> you would be a good horse jockey. Why, because I'm small? No, no, nothing to do <laughs> yes, with that. No, it's not. I promise you. I actually did think this. You'd be a good horse jockey. Do you know why? Because you're like, okay, yes, you're not six foot seven. So obviously that helps. But you're quite lean as well. And you're like agile. And do you remember, was it a couple of years ago when you went vegan? And yeah. you were like quite gaunt and you look like an extra from Dallas Buyers Club. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think that, I think I just thought like, you know what, that would be good. I mean, you have to be so fit to be a, a jockey and you were like, you were grade A fitness the time you were vegan and skinny, so light. So I thought, and you know, small, but not, <laughs> not in an insulting way. I mean, you would have been a very tall jockey. <laughs> oh. You would have been a very, t- you would have been one of the tallest jockeys out there, you know? So like, I think that that would have been a good sport. Do you not see yourself on top no. of the horse, no? No, 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 not for me. Um, no, I'd have no interest in horse racing either. So it wouldn't. That would not be for me. Um, yeah, I think the only the only one other one I could potentially think of is basketball. No, no, <laughs> no. I do like basketball, and I've played bas- I play a little bit of basketball, especially during like the first lockdown when I couldn't do anything else. And I've seen that shot of yours, and it is broken. <laughs> it is terrible. It's shot. It's gonna be the worst throw of anyone who's ever thrown anything ever. <sighs> But I have been practicing basketball. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm nearly able to dunk. Dunk. Uh. <laughs> okay, it's getting a little bit ridiculous. So we're going to end it right there. We're going to end it right there. Thank you so much for listening this far into the podcast. Uh, like we said earlier on, like, subscribe, leave a review. We'll shoot up the charts. You can listen to loads more. We're planning to get some amazing guests on, and we really, really enjoyed recording the first three episodes. And it was a pleasure talking to Michal again. So thanking him. A big shout out to him and. Um, our last guest, uh, Gavin Houlihan as well. And of course, you as well, Connor, who's been a Thank great you. sport so far uh, with all the slagging. Yeah, here for sport. The crowd are on their feet. Average Joe and the pro. It's all over. If you like what you heard, please make sure to subscribe to the show and tell your friends to check it out too. And if you fancy leaving a review, it'll help other average Joes and potential pros find our series.